Do you hear the fireworks? Must be because there's something special going on. I think it's New Year's. Get out of here, 2021. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Three Speech, the entertainment podcast that is celebrating the end of 2021 by following the rule of three. It's two friends, three topics, and unlimited pop culture. As always, I am your host, Jamie. And I'm your host, Alin. And I would like to welcome you to our end of year spectacular. It seems like everybody does this sort of best of the best for year 20, whatever year it is, the year of our Lord, 2021. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's not a lot to celebrate this year, so we got to find something good. Yeah, that's uh, true. So we're going to do movies, TV, games, and books, right? So we're getting a little culture in this time. Yeah, look at that. I know, the culture is all you. I have nothing to do with that. Well, you know what? The, the problem with the culture is that I'm also very cheap. Uh, and many years ago, I said I'm going to stop buying books mm-hmm. because not only are buying books in hardcover expensive, but they take up a lot of space where you're living. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. In fact, I have a bunch of books that I need for school for teaching and I still want to get rid of them like all the time. <laughs> it's just they take up too much space. So I'm a pro library at -hmm. this point but the problem with the library of course is that everyone else wants the most popular books that are out there and you get waitlisted so some of the books that were popular in 2019 and 2020 I'm just now getting my hands on Mm -hmm. but the 2021 all the picks are um they are from 2021 so yeah and you know it's interesting you bring this up because we've had some issues with that like you know, a lot of the stuff that's on my lists is from within the last week. <laughs> that's, you know, it's stuff that came out at the end of the year. Um, and I know there's some stuff that we wanted to see um, that we didn't have a chance to see yet, which might have made the list. Like, I know you wanted to see the French Dispatch and yes. I wanted to watch the end of Expanse. I'm not even sure if they're done airing those yet, but I haven't no. had a chance to start that yet. So, you know, there's some things here that I feel like are on the weird raggedy edge of I feel like we should be allowed to include them in our best of 2022 because they didn't make it to 2021. You right. Know? And with The Expanse, I think there's only three episodes out. I watched the first one and then I, yeah. Are they because releasing one a month? They're doing like one a week. So it's, Gosh. it's, um, yeah, it's like a real television show. You have to wait oh. each week to watch it. And I forget to watch it. That's why I stream things mm-hmm. because I can't remember when things premiere. But we also talked about the difficulty we had in determining where things came from in movie wise, trying to figure out what was actually 2021 yeah. and what was actually 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because sometimes you're just, you feel like something is new and you're like, oh, I'm going to watch this. And then you realize it's a year and a half old, you know? So, right. And, um, One of, like, I didn't realize this because when I was making my list, a lot of movies like Promising Young Woman technically Mm -hmm. came out in 2021. It came out, like, early January. So a lot of the movies that were nominated for Best Oscar in, you know, this year really came out in early 2021. Interesting. So I eliminated any of those from any discussion because it's like, well, I've already been through award season and mm-hmm. though they technically came out in 2021 yeah we'll get some newbies in yeah, get some new ones in i mean i think this is the first year 
and hopefully the only year where Hollywood really had to prepare for the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, 2020, it came out of nowhere and mm-hmm. they were moving around release schedules. And mm-hmm. with 2021, they're like, okay, we know that theaters are going to be at, you know, anywhere from 25% to 100% capacity. And what movies are we going to hold on to? And what movies are we going to let just kind of come out and just be dropped on a streaming service? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I kind of wish we had more of that than we actually did. Yeah, I agree. And it's, um, you know, oh, we did get some. We did get we some. We got some. Yeah, we mm-hmm. got some. And actually, I realized that all of the movies that I picked all came out on HBO Max. Oh, funny. Not so, so for me. Do you want right. to start with movies? I know we originally um, going to start with TV, but let's, can we start with movies? Because I feel like it's my, not my yeah, best category, I, but too, movies were tough for me this year. Like, number one was easy, and then number two wasn't too bad, but then, like, just trying to think of, like, a good solid list to put together a top three felt really hard. Like, I was kind of reaching. I was going back through my Netflix and, like, what did I watch this year? Right. You know? Yeah. It's like, oh, it's, like, recently watched. I'm like, oh, because I, I have been watching, like you, and I'm guessing, like, a lot of other people, because you can't go anywhere. You've been watching more television and movies than you normally would. But I was not just, a lot of it has been super good. I'm not going to lie. No, like, no. You know, I was going back through the list and, and you know, my husband was like, well, we watched Dune. I was like, mm. yeah, <laughs> I know. know. It's kind of like, oh, OK, we watched that. It was OK. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, let's uh, let's go backwards and count towards number one. Um, OK. So what was your number three movie of the year? Ooh, OK, so this is kind of a surprise even to me. Um, my number three movie, and I have to kind of describe how I came to, to these decisions. It was basically movies that I had no expectations whatsoever Mm. going into and just said, well, I'm going to watch it and I'm just going to see what happens because I might as well take advantage of having these streaming services. So my number three pick surprisingly is King Richard on HBO Max, which was about Serena and Venus Williams and how they became Serena and Venus Williams. And Will Smith plays their dad, Richard. And I felt very remiss when I was watching it because I wasn't into tennis growing up. And technically, I'm the same age as Venus and Serena, and I didn't pay attention to their careers until they got a little older. Uh-huh. So, so I didn't know a lot of their backstory and, you know, obviously I knew, you know, the, the racial element where they're uh, black people breaking into an all white sport and it still remains a mostly all white sport. But I think the thing that I liked about it was you got to see them growing up in Compton and you got to see how hard both their father and their mother worked to get them where they are. And I remember, and this is just growing up, like my dad watched ESPN, like it seemed like on an endless loop. Mm-hmm. So he had very strong opinions about Richard Williams because he was always on ESPN talking about his daughters. Uh huh. And my dad was like, this guy is insane. And it's like, well, yeah, he is. But look what he did. 
like in hindsight, yeah, you're looking at him like he's this insane person talking about how great his two daughters are going to be and how they're going to take over the sport of tennis. And here we are now. They're the number one and number two of all time. Um, You know, Wimbledon, Grand Slams, all of the awards. Serena's number one. Venus is number two. Mm -hmm. So I really like to see it. I, I really enjoyed not so much Will Smith because I, have you been seeing any of the stuff about Will Smith lately? Um, not so much. I've never been a huge fan, but I don't know. Remind me what's, what's the new dish. So uh, he had a autobiography come out mm. and it should be called too much information. <laughs> TMI. The <Will> Smith <laughs> <It's>, story. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't need to hear about like your sexual escapades. Oh and no, your op- no, no, yeah. no, no, yeah. no, no. And no, it's no. like, you know, all of the drugs you did and you know, your open marriage with your wife. It's like, no, I it's Will Smith. He he's Will Smith. I mean, they put a beard on him and he, he does an accent, but the best part of the movie is really the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Um, all the, the, the actresses who play Venus and Serena. I mean, I really liked it. It takes place in the early nineties and you get to see how they overcame, not just, you know, coming from working, cl- a, a working class family, but they overcame a lot of racial prejudice, uh, and a lot of racial slurs hur- hurled at them to become the best in the game. Mm-hmm. And, it's just not only is it a testament to them, it's a testament to their family because all of their siblings are the same way. Not necessarily, obviously, on the level of Serena and Venus, but their parents raised their children to be the best at what they did. And they all graduated like in the top 10 in high school. They all went on to have successful careers. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, it was an interesting movie. I had I just knew it was about you know, the the Williams sisters. And I ended up really watching it, getting super into it, and then just really enjoying it from like every aspect. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So, so uh, what was your number three? So my number three was The Suicide Squad. And I know you weren't crazy about this movie, but this was the movie that I had the most fun with well you know what Mm -hmm. I take that back because there's another one that was a lot of fun but it was a lot of fun for me (laughs) and um uh I don't know I I think a lot of my movie choices and tv choices this year are like wow that was fun um mostly because everything else about life wasn't fun so (laughs) no exactly you have to get your fun where you can find it right um and you know I think that you know some of the things that I really enjoyed about this movie is there was a large very crazy, super weird ensemble cast. It didn't yes. work in the best way possible. Like it was just, it was the most, you know, weird family dynamic you will ever see in your life. And um, it had just all, it was so over the top and it just kind of, I don't know. It just, it was like, you know, it was like guardians of the galaxy on some kind of illegal drug basically. Yes. yes. And, um, or all of the illegal drugs, maybe I'm not really sure, but it was, um, it was just a lot of fun. I had never really cared about Harley Quinn as a character. I never really enjoyed her in any of the other DC movies. And this one, I, I actually kind of, that turned, this turned it around for me. I really liked her in this one. And I just, 
really enjoyed the fact that they got me to care about rats. Like I got, <laughs> I don't know how, but Rat somehow was the best. Ratcatcher yep. was the best in that somehow movie. they got me to care about rats. And um, I don't necessarily agree with them giving, you know, Peacemaker his own spinoff show. I, think I was just about to ask you that because yeah. it's coming out soon. Yes, I've seen a trailer for it. And I think that was the wrong choice. I mean, maybe they can convince me otherwise at some point, but I'm not necessarily on board with that. Um, but other than that, I just found it to be um, like a really fun sort of well done thing. I felt like it was, you know, James Gunn being able to say, like, look, I still got it. Um, Marvel, you're regretting what you did to me, you know, that kind of a thing. And I was just happy that he got to make this big, crazy movie. Uh, and it just I just really enjoyed it. I just thought it was a lot of fun. And I and I really enjoyed, like you said, the, the ability to go and just see it on HBO and not have to go to the theater because I don't think I would have gone to the theater to see this. Right. I don't like cause I, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Um, but the fact that I was able to watch it from home just kind of cemented it for me that it's it was really enjoyable. No, I, I completely agree because I wouldn't have gone to see King Richard in the theaters. Right. But it was something that, oh, I it was like one of those alerts. Like, it's like you have five days left to watch it. So I was like, eh, why not? Mm-hmm. And sometimes those are the best movies when you just go in having no expectations and end up really just watching something that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and I was get, so you didn't like Birds of Prey. I actually didn't see Birds of Prey. Oh, you know what? Did I'm not going to say go watch it. Like, it's enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Okay. I mean, it's not like, I can't believe you didn't see that movie. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> it, I remember watching it. It must have been HBO. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. It's like a glittery, colorful, violent uh, <laughs> type of uh, film. So, And it kind of warms you up for where you get to see Harley Quinn in The Suicide Squad. Oh, okay. All right. So it's, you know, it's her working things out between her and the Joker, basically, you know. So, like I said, don't run out and watch it. But if you're just one night being like, "Eh, what should I watch? And it pops up, go for it. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So uh, what do you got sitting at number two? Number two, um, as you were talking about joy, the Mm. little things that happen that just you need to escape a little bit. Um, my second pick is In the Heights, which is mm. the um, uh, musical mm-hmm. about Washington Heights uh, by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mm-hmm. It was on HBO Max. And it was just such a fun. And I should probably say, like, so In the Heights was technically Lin-Manuel Miranda's first show. But Hamilton was the one that broke out oh i see so with his newfound hollywood power he went back and he wanted to adapt in the heights Mm -hmm. and it's just a it's a great little movie it the music is is i found myself tapping my foot and i have no rhythm uh the the (laughs) dancing the dancing is great it's about um so anthony ramos who was who played many roles in Hamilton? He is uh, running a local bo- bodega, and 
you get to know all of the uh, characters in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So you get to see, you know, his on again, off again girlfriend. Well, I shouldn't even say that. His wa- He wants her to be his girlfriend. <laughs> and he's sort of like pining for her. And he's singing all these lovely songs about her. And they create, um, her name's Vanessa. And the thing about that I enjoyed about the movie is they create all of these lives for these people. So Vanessa just isn't this object of lust f- for the main character. Mm-hmm. She has her own dreams and aspirations and they don't necessarily match with what his name is Usnavi. Um, Usnavi wants to do. So you see that struggle. You also see other characters from the neighborhood. Um, there's Nina. She's, uh, you know, the local girl who made it big She's out at Stanford on a full scholarship, but she returns home and finds out that her father, Jimmy Smits, um, is really struggling financially to send her there. Mm-hmm. And she feels this guilt because she doesn't like Stanford. She feels very out of place there. Mm-hmm. So there's and there's all these other stories that deal with current issues, but they don't do it in a way that takes you out of that joy Uh, you're dealing a lot with, you know, dreamers in the Mm -hmm. United States and people who are trying to do their best. Did you ever watch that Vanity Fair review where the guy who was the choreographer for In the Heights did his little thing? No, I think you would really enjoy it if you did. I know you, I know you keep telling me to, and I meant to watch it. Yeah. But I mean, that's, I just kind of found it. You get like sucked in to the neighborhood. There's great ballads they do like this really cool like fred astaire style dance at this local pool Mm -hmm. um it's just there's so much color there's so much energy there's so many people it's a large cast but they all work together and i just found myself being like wow that was a really good movie all right yeah fun Okay, so I got sitting at number two, Shang-Chi. Okay. And The Legend of the Ten Rings, yes. Um, And uh, I really enjoyed this movie for a lot of the throwbacks that it had. I mean, I thought it was so cool how it seamlessly brought Trevor Slattery back into the fold. (laughs) (laughs) Someone you weren't necessarily looking for. (laughs) I just like, bam, there he is. And he's got a faceless ball of poof with him. (laughs) <laughs> which I totally loved. Um, and I, I I love anything that has Michelle Yeoh in it. Uh, you know, she's amazing. Yes. And um, I really, really like the chemistry between um, Simu Liu and Aquafina. Um, I thought that it was, I thought that it was really interesting that they had kind of like a reverse thing where he was like the really good looking elegant one and she was kind of the awkward one instead of you know usually the stereotype is the opposite right Um, and I thought that that was a really interesting sort of twist there and I I thought that some of the fight choreography was unbelievable especially the fight scene on the outside of the building uh where I was actually able to see that when I wasn't at a (laughs) drive-in And, and I mean, because everyone always talks about the bus scene, which is a, the bus is a scene was great. Like, don't get me wrong. But no, I, but you know, no, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, because like we talked about before, I had trouble seeing yeah. that particular fight and I had trouble 
figuring out what that little fluff ball was. But it was literally just a ball of fluff. It was just a fluff ball. Yeah. I would take 10, please. Um, <laughs> there'd be lots of vacuuming, but I don't care. So, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I think what cemented it for me as being, it had to be in the top three was that when we went to the drive-in and saw it, I walked out of the drive-in thinking, you know what? I really enjoyed that for what I was able to see. It mm-hmm. was still enjoyable. But then when I got to rewatch it on Disney Plus, it was even more enjoyable on a second watch. And it wasn't like, oh, you know what? I was wrong on this. It was like, no, not only was I right, this is better than I thought. And um, I thought it was just, I thought it was really cool how they did the opening in Chinese, you know, the whole yes. scrawl. And uh, I mean, I thought it was really respectful. I mean, there's a lot of like stuff in the old Shang-Chi kind of comics that they they kind of changed and made better. And, you know, it really just made it wonderful. And so um, that to me, I, I've been able to watch it a few times now. It's still great. Um, I love the relationship between him and his dad mm-hmm. where, you know, it's a really complicated relationship. But at the same time, his dad genuinely thinks he's going to go save his mom from some right. weird mystical land that has her imprisoned. And you can't really blame him, even though you do at the same time. It's, just, you know, it, they they make it very complicated. I know that Marvel villains are sometimes they got to get that criticism of being sort of one note or not right. really flushed out. And this one was, was really good. Um, a very complex villain. And then the fact that I, I'm kind of spoiling things here, which I think this one's been out long I, enough. That it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think it's good. That, I think it's okay. Cause it's like, if you've either seen it in the movies or drive-ins or you've watched it on Disney, been on Disney for a while now. Yeah. But, right. And the fact that like, you know, you really got to build up this relationship with his sister, but then at the end, she moves into that position of power and you know that she does it without Shang-Chi knowing that she's taken over the Ten Rings. And, you know, it's kind of setting up this, well, he's going to have to take on his sister later, you know, and that's it's it's exciting, but also kind of sad at the same time. And, you know setting up that real complicated family dynamic again that they did so well in this movie. I can just kind of see that coming back later. No, I agree with you because I think like you've said, there's been a lot of like eh, criticism towards Marvel that a lot of their characters aren't developed. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do what, not that I'm saying that we need to know, but like Pepper Potts was in like nine movies. We don't know anything about her. She's just, You know, so, but with this film, you know the family dynamic. You can see things from the father's side. You see why um, Shang-Chi's sister is so mad at him. And you Mm -hmm. want to explain to her why he did what he did. You Mm -hmm. can see things from everyone's side. So it adds to the depth of the characters. There is this theory that's going around that... The reason why Shang-Chi is friends with Katie in the first place is the man that he was sent to kill was her father. Oh, yeah, because you never see her dad. And you know that it was either her father or her grandfather. Now I'm forgetting. But they talk about it at the dinner table there really quickly. Oh, is it because I remember she was going to leave some things at his grave, the grandmother Something was going like to, yeah, yeah, she was going to leave like some of his favorite soda or chips or yeah, something were, like, like some liquor or something. Yeah. And then they were saying how uh, they said, like, 
you, can you leave those things? And she said, well, every year they're gone. So. <laughs> and it's like, hmm, I wonder who takes them. Yeah, exactly. But the, there is a theory going around that in another Shang-Chi movie, that that will come out, that that was the man he killed, was oh, her relative. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting theory. But, well, and um, I, I agree with you, like the fight sequences, and I'm just thinking about like with the with the dad and the mom, like that oh, fight yeah. sequence. Very crouching tiger, hidden dragon. And, yes. you know, even like the little things like you can kind of see that the mom loved the dad so much that she was willing to leave this mystical mm-hmm. land, right, of her birth in order to be with him. And the dad loved the mom so much that he was willing to take off the rings for her and age. Right. And, you know, there was a massive amount of sacrifice on both of their parts that even that little bit of storytelling, you know, complicated the whole thing and made it just so much better. So that when the mom died and the dad put the rings on and never took them off, after mm-hmm. that, you could see that that was basically a defense mechanism of his pain, you know, right. and. And it just like just the storytelling just really worked. It was subtle, but it worked really well. And uh, to me, that's uh, definitely my number two of the year. Very good. Okay, we've come to our first number ones. All right, number one, number one. So I I misspoke. Um, Not all of my choices come from HBO Max. My number one actually comes from Apple Plus. Hmm. This is a, a movie that. Once again, I was trying to find something to watch. I was on Apple TV and I am a sucker for movies that are made in Massachusetts. And this movie is called CODA and it stands for Child of Deaf Adult. I've never heard of this in my life. <laughs> no, it's it's re- so it's really good. It has in it um you watch Lock and Key, right? Did you ever watch? I couldn't make it through the whole first season. I don't know why. It just didn't stick yeah, this, with me. The second season's not that great. Okay. Um, so it's like, I yeah, I would, it was like, oh, and it's probably because I read the the graphic novels and I knew Which how good. good. Yeah. They're so good. And yeah. I just was comparing to how badly they were adapting it. This was kind of the problem I had with Hawkeye. But anyway. Okay. So uh, the actress who plays the daughter on that show mm-hmm. is the star of this movie. And her name is Ruby. And she's uh, a 17-year-old. She's a senior in high school. And she is the only person in her family who is not deaf. Mm. So it has Marley Matlin in it, who mm-hmm. plays her mom. And basically, she can sing. Like she has a real talent. She's very musical. She can sing, but she is the translator for everything that her parents and her brother do. So her mm-hmm. parents own a fish, um, a fish business because it's Gloucester. Mm-hmm. So that's what everyone does. She gets up in the morning at 3 a.m. She gets on a boat. She ha- because you need to have someone who can hear on a boat. In case there's any sort of alarms from the Coast Guard or they need to get in touch with you through a radio. So she gets up at 3 a.m. Then she goes to school. Then she comes home. Then she helps her mom with her business. And she tries it. She ends up trying out for choir. She has a real knack for it. And one of her teachers convinces her to apply to to Berkeley. Mm -hmm. She decides that she doesn't want to go to Berkeley. Um, She gets in. She's deciding that she doesn't want to go in because her parents are really guilt tripping her 
because how are they going to survive without oh, her? Sad. I'm not watching yeah. this. <laughs> no, it, it is. It's like a sad movie because they're so used to her. And like her mm-hmm. brother, who's also her her brother who's deaf, is like, it's time for you to go. You need to be your own person. Like oh, so he wants her to go. Yeah, so he wants her to go. Like her her older brother is like, I can handle this. You need to be your own person. You can't live here all of your life. You can't take care of mom and dad all of your life. And I mean, I say like, you know, it's a serious movie, but there are some really, there's some funny parts. There's a romance It's because it's high school, but it doesn't overtake the whole film. Mm -hmm. But it's just something that I didn't expect to be this good. And I didn't expect to be so drawn into the world of, of what they're doing and seeing how difficult it is for individuals who are deaf to communicate even when you know you're trying to order something in a bar and a bartender can't hear you and yeah we have a lot of technology that you can use with cell phones and whatnot but what do you do when you can't communicate and what kind of fear must you have when your only link to the hearing world is going to be gone right so, so they probably it, don't mean to guilt trip her, but they do it. Right, anyway. right. And it's like there's a very poignant scene where, you know, obviously because she can sing, none of them can hear her. So they don't know if she really can sing or if this is some sort of, you know, like, oh, I don't I, I'm going to try to do this. Uh, but there's a great line in the movie where Marley Matlin's like, if I was blind, would you want to be a painter? It's not up to you. Yeah. So it was just, it's kind of like you can see the push and the tug and trying to find your own way when all you've known is one way. And, you know, her family ultimately supports whatever her decision is going to be. And there's a scene where they go, her brother, her mother and her father go to her recital, her musical, the musical that they're doing. And there's a good five minute scene where there's no music there's no sound it's just so their perspective of yes what it would, what it would well, not what it would sound like but what it would be like you know yes. at this, yeah and it's interesting because you they're looking and they're picking up cues from other people so they stand up when they see other people stand up or they're they're clapping when other people are clapping and they know if she's doing a good job if people are smiling mm. so it's just really like I guess I was just in the right mood to watch it. And Mm -hmm. I was surprised at how well done it was. And like I said, I love any, anything that's shot in Massachusetts. The the thing that I got most upset about was the dad pulled right up to the Berkeley school of music. And I was like, what? You can't just drive up. There's so much traffic and there's no spots for you to pull over there. This is such a movie moment. (laughs) Yes. That was my only problem. I always think that whenever they used to show um, somebody parking in Law and Order in New York City, like, no way. (laughs) Yeah, it's like no one drives in New York. There's no spaces. Yep. But that's such an us thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's the only thing that took me out of it. So it was like, you know, a a different sort of coming of age movie Mm -hmm. that hadn't been done before. And just really surprised me with how poignant it was. Okay, so so I'll tell you not to spoil the ending since some people might want to go watch it. And, you know, we don't know if she goes to Berkeley or not or whatever. So, well, and we yeah. So it's like I I said that she got into Berkeley, but 
I shouldn't have because there's the question of if she's going to get in as well because Berkeley is very competitive. Oh yes, extremely. So but, I mean, it sounds like an interesting movie. Certainly, it's not my thing, but I, right. I appreciate you like kind of going out there and you know seeing all this cultured stuff and. Uh, <laughs> I will know. watch. I you will watch the culture between the two of us. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch and I'll read anything, you know. And um, yeah, it was just one of those movies that just surprised me. I forget I had seen it on a top ten list. And it said it was on Apple TV, Apple Plus. And I was like, oh, I have that. Maybe I'll check it out. And I ended up doing it and did not regret it. Yeah, there's some decent stuff on there. I mean, I know if that my husband were making this list, Ted Lasso would probably be on his TV list. I don't know if it will show up on yours. That remains to be I, seen yet. But uh, Well, the other thing, um, and oh, I lost my train of thought there. But yeah, it's, um, oh, the other movie. We were talking about movies that we wish we would have seen in theaters uh your husband and i are trying to figure out how to see the french dispatch another movie that i really want to see but i know it's not gonna come out anytime soon is uh licorice pizza i don't know if you've seen anything about that it's the new paul uh anderson movie it sounds disgusting um <laughs> no it, it's it's supposed to be something that like it takes place in the 70s it's a come another coming of age movie but the thing that's interesting about it is it stars philip seymour hoffman's son who oh. I guess is an actor who's he worked because with Paul. Why not? Why not? He can do it. Hmm. But he worked with um, Paul W. Anderson on a lot of other of his films. So it's uh-huh. kind of strange to see him take over the mantle. And it also stars in the female lead, which I, it's kind of weird. It stars Alana Haim. And I only think that's interesting because I'm a huge fan. She She's in a band with her sisters and it's called Haim. Um, but it's like, oh, she's making the the transition. Huh. So yeah, it's nice. uh, very very interesting. So that that's my so if I could have those are the two. Obviously, that probably would have been on the list, and uh-huh. I think maybe your number one would have been somewhere up there too. If I'm yeah. guessing, there's only okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be real short. <laughs> So my number one took me all of four tenths of a second to come up with because it was no comparison. There was there was nothing even close to it. And it was 100 percent Spider-Man No Way Home. I figured as much. Yeah. And I will say the only thing I will say, because I know you haven't seen it yet and I really want you to. And uh, the only thing I will say is, first of all, avoid, avoid, avoid the internet. You know, it is as much so as, hard. I know. I know. Um, because when I walked into this, I this was one of the ones I managed to go in totally cold. No trailers, no information. I knew nothing. The only thing that I knew was that Doctor Strange was in it. That was the only thing that I... I wish I hadn't known that, but that was the only thing that I knew. Even just knowing that... I had three separate moments of like, if I wasn't wearing six masks, my jaw would have hit the floor (laughs) like three separate times Oh wow! (laughs) where I was just like, what, what, how, what? (laughs) So it was just, and like, I don't know, this is one of those things where I'm going to have to figure it out on a rewatch. 
is the movie really that good or was the shock and awe of it part of my, you know, experience of enjoyment so much? Like when I rewatch it and all of those surprises are now not surprising, what what what's going to happen? You know, would it move down the list? Right. So I was able to watch Shang-Chi more than once. Well, so, I think I was wondering also because, you know, Shang-Chi and the Eternals are new characters. Yeah. So you already had like a level of appreciation for Spider-Man that that existed before you walked into the movie. So this I just... will say, though, that Spider-Man is also my least favorite Avenger. Oh. And I don't know if it's just because he's young and doofy, but, you know, yeah. it's just, I mean, you know, given a choice between Spider-Man and Thor. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, one's a one's a. <laughs> One's a man, one's a boy. Even though, like, Tom Holland is really, like, 25 or something, it's still like, no, you're still a baby. You're a little baby. Compared to us, you are a baby. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with him. I do enjoy Tom Holland, and I enjoy all the Spider-Man movies. But, you know, if if there were a Spider-Man movie and either an Iron Man or a Doctor Strange or a Thor movie opening up on the same day for some strange reason, I'm going to Spider-Man last. You know, that's, like, the last Avenger I'm going to go see but it, it still was it was a phenomenal movie and i i i don't know how they pulled this off is just cuz i will, i will say that you know i unlike you i have seen the trailer so okay. i i know that you know doc ock from the uh toby maguire incarnation of spider-man that was one is, of my jaw hits the floor moments cuz i yeah. was like dude they got the guy and i know different but it's the same guy and i know jamie fox is in it because there was a commercial and he's like come see me and and i was like stop it now you're just ruining the movie yeah that one wasn't as shocking for me um but you know because like once you know that doc ock is in it like when other like another villain shows up you're like oh okay cool you know like here's another one but there's other things okay (laughs) there's other things I will say to you and anyone else in the viewing audience, there's two post-credit scenes to this movie. Leave after the first one. Don't stay for the okay. second one. Oh, yeah. I a, remember you told me what it was. It's just a straight-up trailer for the multiverse of madness, and I don't like being tricked into seeing trailers. <laughs> and I will – see, I'm going to tell you, I've avoided this trailer. Yeah, I wish I had avoided it. Um I, when I realized it was just a straight up trailer, I was like, no, cover my eyes. Cover my I picture you like you, you're putting your coat over your head and you're yeah. running out of the theater, but yeah. banging into things. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't impressed with that. Marvel, if you're listening, I know you're listening. They're definitely <laughs> listening. Don't do that ever again. <laughs> they have like a Google search that's on all of our devices that whenever they hear like Marvel mentioned, it's like, what are they Marvel. talking about? Don't put trailers as post-credit scenes. Not cool. Stop it. All right. But, um, yes, I know a lot of people haven't seen this yet. I want to preserve the surprise, especially for you, Alin. So I'm not going to say anything else about it other than my experience with this movie was supremely enjoyable. And I highly recommend everyone see it. It's made over a billion dollars so far already. Yeah like a 99% Rotten Tomatoes score, it's it's kicking some butt. So if you can go. I wanted it to do badly so that it would come out uh, earlier on streaming. 
I know. But yeah, I I know I told you my trick was we bought out like 20 seats in the theater yes. and just made a little bubble for ourselves. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, you I know you're going to try and go at an off time. I think that's your best bet. Yeah. So. And I mean, you know, like the kids are going back to school, so they won't be there, you know, hopefully at night or in the middle of the day. I don't know. I got to figure this out because I'm really having trouble. Is as we go on and on, people are assuming that other people have seen it. So they're starting to post like on BuzzFeed. There's a lot. I'm like, no, 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 no. BuzzFeed, stay away from Reddit. Yeah. yeah. Careful of your news feed. Um, yes. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a it's a pain how people just expect other people to just swallow this culture so quickly. And it's not on my time anymore. It's on internet time, you know, mm-hmm. and if I don't keep up with internet time, I get punished for it. And it's kind of unfortunate. So well, yeah. And it's like these people who get up and not get up, but they're awake and they'll binge a whole series while I'm sleeping. Cause it comes out at like midnight. Yeah. And then they're like, Oh, this happened. And then it's like, it's eight o'clock. You already watched all eight episodes. What are you crazy? I must have jobs. <laughs> I know. Well, so movies, that was fun. So you ready yeah. for TV? TV. Okay, so TV is a little bit of a broad genre here because we don't really have TV anymore. So no. our definition of TV is anything that's episodic. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, that makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. It's not really like, hey, this aired on Fox or ABC. No, it's just this had more than one episode. <laughs> <laughs> And I think you're going to have to indulge me a little bit because I had two honorable mentions. That's, that's just, I just couldn't not like just mention them at the very least. Cause I, I struggled with these five things and I kept moving them around. And then I was like, you know what? I just need to do two honorable mentions. So can I do two honorable yes, mentions? You can do two honorable mentions. I will okay. allow it. So my two honorable mentions that didn't make my top three, but they're basically sitting at number three are um, the boys season two. Which was like way back at the beginning of the I was year. Like, I was like, was that 2021? I think so. <laughs> if not, then I'm just mentioning it because it was awesome and we haven't had a chance to mention it really. Yeah. Um, but I think it was the beginning of the year. And then uh, The Witcher season two, which the I really did enjoy. And the only reason why it didn't make my top three is because I think it deviated from the source material a little bit too much. And I was a little bit questioning of their choices in that the choices that they made. Um, but overall, it was still very enjoyable to stare at Henry Cavill for eight episodes. So I'm I'm only a few episodes in, and I keep having to check because the the cast is just getting so big. Yes, uh, this is one thing where I'm at an extreme advantage, I think, over you that I know who a lot of these people are from having um, played the games. Uh, which you know is strange that The Witcher is following the games a bit more than the books, especially in the visual style. Like Kaer Morin, the, the Witcher home castle, uh, looks identical to the games. It's like oh. eerie. It was super weird. Like I had a moment of like, oh my God, when I was watching it, you know, like it looks so good. Um, but the, the, it, there is a large cast there and... And the names are very similar too. I'm like, who yeah. is that? Like, I'm like, I have to look up there. <laughs> like, no one's named like Ted or Mike. No, <laughs> no they're not. And then I some of them have that. like multiple names, you know, like, yes. like for example, 
Amir, um, King Amir has like six different names. The White oh, Flame. Yeah, yeah, like like, he's, yeah. Yeah. The I same mean, thing's gonna happen for Siri, where she starts getting called all these weird names and Child of Chaos or whatever, you know. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 good. Um, I guess my only two complaints is Yennefer is too young and they strayed a little bit too far from the book um, or the movie or sorry, the games or whatever. They strayed a little bit too far from the source material and this by the end, they were kind of coming back to it. But um, I'll be curious what you think from a non game player, non book reader perspective. Let's just yeah, say I'm, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm slowly getting there. Um, it's probably because. The first couple episodes for me, they were just very dense mm. only and because there's been that lag time between seasons and like trying to remember what happened. And like I would Google like what happened? Oh, there's like a six minute recap that you can watch in Netflix. Oh, I should probably watch that. Yeah, you know it was my problem really is I, I have a quick finger with the skip. <laughs> It's if you go to episodes and more, there's an actual thing that says like catch up or something like. Oh, okay. okay, so I'm gonna try to watch that before I continue. Because... It was very helpful. We watched it too. Okay, good mm-hmm. to know. Yes. Okay, so those were my honorable mentions. What's your number three for TV? My number three. So there are certain things that we have discussed on the show that I I love and I continue to love. So these were some of the things that I watched that for whatever reason, they just didn't fit into the cycle of, mm-hmm. of what we were doing. Mm-hmm. So um, my number three, and I don't know, I don't know if you watched this movie, um, but it's on FX. It's What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, yes, I have seen that. Yes. The, the television show is so funny. And the show, especially in season three, it has been consistently funny and it's just that the whole thing deals with them trying to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their lives there's some you know some um wanting more from their lives like is this mm-hmm. is this it we're just going to live forever and um there's also a very th- funny appearance in several episodes do you remember donald logue he was in the blade movies uh no no when, if you saw him you would recognize him i probably would yeah but it turns out he's really a vampire like he got in character oh that's clever i yeah. like that <laughs> like so it's like he really became a vampire but he also does <laughs> he also does portraits so uh-huh. he comes to paint them it's just like one of these like you know it's just like these random funny moments you also have um, Guillermo, who's technically a descendant. He's the familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also technically a descendant of Van Helsing. And oh, he's geez. really trying not to kill the vampires because he wants <laughs> to become a vampire. Um, there's uh, one of the vampires falls in love with a woman who turns out to be a werewolf. I mean, it's just like such subversive fun mm-hmm. that it's just I I love it so much it's not like laugh out loud but it's just so clever it's so clever and i can't wait to see what they're gonna do with the third season so that was that was my pick yeah all right 
So number three for me, I think is the only one on my list that we haven't talked about previously. <laughs> uh, and it is a last minute entry. Um, Wheel of Time season one. Oh, I was going to start that today. It's it's fun. It's good. It's uh, it's it reminds me of the early days of Game of Thrones when everyone was excited and things were good. Right. And things were good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, the difference here is all of the books are done and out. Unfortunately, um, the original author of The Wheel of Time passed away before he could finish the series. But a second author, Brandon Sanderson, came in and finished the series. Oh, and he does Um, a bunch of. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. And uh, apparently now I haven't read the books, but apparently he did a really great job. And, um, you know, he he he, I'm struggling to remember the original uh, author's name, but his wife is still alive and she kind of was the editor and she, you know, was very much, you know, supportive of what Sanderson did and, and thought that the ending was good and, you know, very respectful of what her husband would have wanted. And so we have a completed series of source material here where if they wanted to go through and do the whole thing, it, it, it's done. It's written. It's completed. We, we will not run into a Game of Thrones type scenario where they're going to eventually pass the author <laughs> um, and then end up floundering like a fish on land. Um, but uh, I, I, I think that it is very dense. And this first season in particular had a problem similar to the Nevers where some of what they were filming was happening when COVID was really bad in 2020. And you end up with a lot of this jumpy editing where you can clearly see that they made bubbles of four or five people and filmed them and then sliced that together with bubbles of other four or five people that they, do you know what I mean? Like I have that kind of thing going. So, but if you can kind of look past that a little bit, um, it tells a very interesting story. Um, it's got some really cool, powerful female characters in here. Um, it's a pretty much a no-named cast. I mean, I did not know any of these people um, other than Rosamund Pike, and even her. That's I don't, what I was gonna say. Yeah, I don't know her very well. I just know that she's been in a ton of stuff. Um, I'm sure if I went to IMDb and looked at all of her stuff, I'd be like, oh yeah, that, you know. But you'd recognize her. She was a Bond girl. Okay, um, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, she was um, a Bond girl. She was in Gone Girl as yes, well. Yes. Okay. So yes. like, she's been in some some stuff. Yes. Um and. You know, they had a lot of like really good people in this 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 series that I had never seen before in my life. I think have lots of bright futures ahead of them. Um, I, I I think that the politics is really interesting. Uh, the 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 money that they threw at this, the costume design, the set design is unbelievable. It puts Game of Thrones to shame. The the actual visual of this is just stunning. I I would like to watch it again, but just for some of like the costumes and the set pieces and the design elements. I cannot believe how good they got this to look. Um, there was one frustrating moment for me where they have a relationship where the man is like. 15 years older than the woman and that I'm not really a big fan of that but 
it was kind of a weird relationship. But other than that, everything else about it, I'm, I found it very interesting. I did have to talk to someone who had read the books because I had a bunch of questions, you know, with I wanted some bits and pieces filled in, you know, what does this mean? What does this mean? Because there's a lot of like lore and there's a lot of story and there's a lot of elements to it. And there's a lot of setup because apparently there's like, I want to say there's maybe eight or nine books in this series. It's a long series. Um, and this was basically just book one. So they could do this for a while. They've already approved it through three seasons. They've finished filming season two already. And they're, you know, in the process of editing it right now. So they they could do this for a while if they wanted to, um, which I think would be really cool if they could keep it to this level of quality um, through, you know, eight or nine seasons or however many they need. I think it would be epic like just utterly epic it would put game of thrones to shame by the end easily if they could do it so i have a lot of like hope and faith that this is going to keep going and it's going to be good um i really enjoyed the first season a lot my husband and i devoured it in like two days like we couldn't stop oh wow yeah we just cruised through it i mean and it is, it's pretty violent. I'm not going to lie. There were definitely a couple times where I was like, oh God, intestines. And I had to look away. But um, other than that, I mean, it's just, it's just really interesting. There's a lot going on and I just really enjoyed it. And I'm very curious what you think, especially because I know you also watched Game of Thrones and enjoyed it for a while. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm, and, and I do have some answers to some questions from a book reader. Thanks, Deb. Um <laughs> So I can I can fill in some gaps if you want. But, you know, it, it just I don't necessarily think you need it. It's they give you, I think, enough. It's a big cliffhanger ending, you know, which is a kind of a pain. But it's also the all the books were like that, too, you know. So it's not necessarily a surprise that okay. they cliffhangered it, you know. So I really enjoyed it. Um, I probably will rewatch the first season before the second season comes out. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to hoping that they will keep going on this for a few years. It's been getting great reviews because yeah. I know the finale was last week. I think yes. that it rounded I know it out. it just came out and then we were like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, so you, you devoured it then mm -hmm. because I'm trying to think. I, th I think it was last week because I remember seeing – um, in Entertainment Weekly, all kinds of articles about the last episode. I'm like, avoid, avoid, yeah. <laughs> like, don't click yeah. on that. Yeah, it's good. I think you'll enjoy it. I think that you'll be a little bit confused at times because I was also a little bit confused at times. But it's also one of those things where, based on my discussions with Deb, the people reading the books were also confused because it's a trickle oh. of information that you get over time. And it is a big mystery to be solved slowly. So a lot of the stuff that you're confused about in season one is not necessarily a failing of the season. It's just that hasn't been revealed yet. So hmm. yeah. All right. What you got at number two? All right. At number two, before I get to my number two, I'm going to, because actually this is a show that ended this year. So ah. I'd like to give a um, little shout out to some of the the TV shows that ended this year, whether by choice or by cancellation. Um, Ooh, Lucifer. Yes. So Lucifer, um, Jupiter's Legacy. Aw. Yeah. Uh, the Irregulars, which we weren't surprised about. No tears shed. Uh, Bosch. 
Bosch. Oh and, yes, I still have to watch that final you season. Gotta watch it. The Expanse. The yep. Uh, sh- um, also, I watched Shameless that ended mm. this year as well. Uh, Prodigal Son mm-hmm. on on Fox. Just kind of looking at all of the the oh Shrill, which I enjoyed. American Gods, which I didn't watch. Maybe that's why it got canceled. Uh, I think it's on a streaming service that we don't get. Stars. Oh, stars. And there's like I there's literally nothing on there for me to watch. I'm hoping that it gets picked up by a streaming service somewhere somehow. Uh, other things that ended, and this just ended last week and was such a well-done finale, Insecure on HBO ended mm-hmm. after five years. Other shows, just because I know the people like them, uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, all as well as that Superstore show on is that like the uh, Walmart parody? Yeah, it's the Walmart parody. I'm just like seeing if there's anything that I else that I recognize that people would be like, hey, why didn't you mention that? Oh, Winona Earp ended. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. fun. Yeah. And it's like because of the way this year has been, it's like, oh, yeah, that was this year. Um, but my number two show is a show that left and it left on its own terms. The creators decided to end it after two beautiful seasons it is pen 15 on hulu and i've mentioned a little bit about this show on uh the pod a little mm-hmm. bit before but i think it, i remember it, you mentioning it it's just it's such a ridiculous show and it brings back all of the awkwardness that was junior high school and oh, i do not want to go back there <laughs> They do it. So the, the the best part about the show is it's obviously about two, you know, women who are playing 13-year-old versions of themselves. Okay. So it's like if you and I were surrounded by like a bunch of kids in middle school and pretending that that was normal. So that's like part of the joke mm-hmm. is that they're obviously like in their, you know, mid-30s and pretending to be in high school. Uh, there's some great great uh, musical choices really brings you back there's some smash mouth remember smash mouth oh yes indeed yeah so i mean there's just it's nostalgic but it's also very very funny and there was an episode where one of the characters was going to a bat mitzvah and she was arguing with her parents over how much money she wanted them to spend on her friend's gift and she kept saying like that's not enough money they're good she's gonna think I don't like her if I don't get her a new gift and I'm like oh my god that's what it was like yeah. like I was asking my parents for money but more money to spend on someone so I could impress them that's funny <laughs> you know because like do you remember like being like but no that's not enough no we gotta get another something else from Claire's or they're not oh gonna like gosh. it you know oh, hot topic <laughs> That's like, please, just ten more dollars. Um, and the thing that's just great about it is both of the characters were awkward, and they like they like to do Ace Ventura impressions. There's just something that really hits me because I was the awkward. I liked being, I didn't like being awkward, but now it's like, yeah, it's fine. I'm awkward. Um, but it's just so great. It's so great. Um, and the best thing about it 
is it ended on its own terms. Both of the creators uh, just decided that they had told their story. And that was it. They just wanted to cover like, you know, next year that the kids go to high school. And they were like, it's fine. We're done telling this portion of the story. And it's just, um, it's so, so, so funny. Um, I think Pebbles just ran into the mic if you heard her. I'm very sorry. (laughs) She's like, not Pen15. No, she's very much done with you. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, no more, no more. But yeah, I think it's just because, um, you know, it was, it's nostalgic for for the time period it just makes you realize how ridiculous and dramatic everything was when you were 13 years old for no like, reason like for yeah, no reason exactly and, there's and like believe a whole... me I see it on the other end now too because I yes. teach right so I'm like on the outside looking in and it's just mind-boggling like some of the stuff that the kids get upset about I know some of them listen I'm not trying to offend you Mike no my no you're no, wonderful you, but you yeah. have a lot of drama and I know that you know this yes. <laughs> It, it's true. It's like everything is so dramatic. Like she's like, "Mom, get out of my room! I hate you, Mom!" No, and I'm just like, "Oh God!" <laughs> like, yep. Yep, yep, everything is to the max. So yeah, it, it's just such a it's such a funny show. So funny, so clever. And it's nice and- when shows have like, "I'm gonna do this many seasons. I'm gonna go out on my own terms. I'm not gonna get canceled. I'm not gonna drag it out." You know, it's just. This is it. And then it's done. Um, I know Damien felt like that with the leftovers, you know, so I like it when shows are able to do that, that kind of thing. So that's really good. Yeah. And it's it's uh, if you're ever missing, uh, you know, cargo pants, if you're missing cargo pants, you know. I don't Bag- miss your high. I'm not gonna lie. No, it's it, but it's just so funny to be like, oh, where where is your locker? Like your locker positioning was very important in middle school. It's hilarious. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's a, it's there's gonna be times when you cringe at it, but it's all in good fun. And the the creators of the show, who are friends in real life, just they get it and they can laugh at themselves. So that's the best part. All right. So um, my number two, I don't have to talk a lot about because we talked about it extensively on the pod already, was uh, Loki. So out of all the Marvel shows this year, I kind of went back and forth between which one was my absolute favorite. And uh, a lot of people put WandaVision on their best of. And I really, really enjoyed WandaVision. But something about the like quirky weirdness of Loki just appealed to me a slightly bit more than the serious kind of nature of WandaVision. So I'm going to say that Loki edged out Wanda for me just a little bit. And uh, I put that, that one in. Is that Croc-a-Loki? It's got to be Croc-a-Loki, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> or Owen Wilson. Wow. wow. We didn't say it at all <laughs> during Loki. We kept waiting for it. It never happened. Maybe um, that's what the second season will have. Yes, that'll be the finale. So, um, but yeah, I really did enjoy I enjoyed Loki. I mean, I just love Tom Hiddleston so much. Um, and I, I don't know. This show was just really fun for me. I love that they got a really popular video game voice actress to do Miss Minutes, Tara Strong. Oh, I, I really liked Sophia Martino. I liked how she did that whole show while she was pregnant. Um, I, and, and of course that they created a special costume for her. Yep. 
Yep. Um, I loved Owen Wilson being serious Wilson. That was really fun. <laughs> and I loved the the sort of um I loved the 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 stakes, the like really high stakes ending that it had. Um and just how they got you to care about these characters so much that at the very end when you find out Loki is in a different dimension or a different place, um it's sad. You know, you you feel bad that he has lost this friendship that he built up with, you know, Mobius over the course of these episodes. So, I don't know. I thought it was simultaneously a fun show, a very weird and quirky show, also a very different show and that in my mind it was also kind of daring because its last episode featured like 40 straight minutes of talking and I thought that that was a very brave kind of thing to do to have um you know this this last episode just kind of go sideways on us if you will. <laughs> um and I don't know I just really really enjoyed it um and I, I I know that they've already approved a season two and I'm I'm excited for you know kind of them revisiting it I'm not sure if uh, anything that happened in Loki is going to come up in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, right, because we know yeah. that technically there's there's chatter. Yes, we're not really about Wanda sure. about WandaVision. Yeah, we're not really sure what's that what's going to happen there, and you know, I don't I don't really know if they're going to do that, but um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed Loki. And uh, that was definitely my favorite um, Marvel show of the year. So, yeah, that made it to number two for me. So for me, going into the number one, um, I did I did want to do like a two honorable mention. Well, actually, three. I'm going to cheat. Oh, oh I'm going to oh. do three because we met, we talked about them like we d- did them in sort of like things we're looking forward to for me. And I kind of raved about them already. So I didn't want to rave about them again. But mm-hmm. it it is, of course, only murders in the building mm-hmm. on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted Lasso, mm-hmm. Ted Lasso second season, which did not disappoint. Mm-hmm. And also Hacks on HBO with uh, Gene Smart. She was nominated. I think she won an Emmy for it. But that was like at the beginning of 2021. I don't remember, but watch it. I don't know when the second season's coming back. Um, but for my number one, it comes from HBO and it had the best scene that I've ever seen in television. Can it I is, guess? Oh yeah, go ahead, guess. Is it Mare? No, because I didn't know if Mare counted because it's technically a miniseries. Oh, you know what? I would have let you have that. Oh, see, I was like, because I had like a whole miniseries category as well because there was impeachment. Uh. There was impeachment. There was Dope Sick and Mare of Easttown. And that's how I would have ranked them in reverse order. But um, all right. All right. Well, what do you got that's not Mare? I thought for sure it was going to be Mare. I was, I didn't know if it counted. I guess I'm too. Hey, I, this is our freaking. <laughs> we can do we whatever can do we want. Whatever the bleep we want besides swearing, because it's very family, family friendly, yeah, but we are family friendly. <laughs> no, it's um, succession on HBO. Oh, and this is a show that you would not like. Nope. I can tell you that right away. It's about 
it's one of those shows that have become very popular where none of the characters are likable and they're all on sliding specifically saying that yeah and it's like on a sliding scale of okay this one is worse than that one like but he's not great like so in (laughs) It, and this, like, the, the whole thing with Succession has been there's been a huge, because of COVID, there was a huge amount of time that passed between the second and the third season. So expectations were really high. And for you who, who doesn't watch the show, it's all about um, Logan Roy, who is played by Brian Cox, and he owns this media empire. And he has these four children. And they're all horrible, but they think they're entitled to run the business when he is going to retire. Mm. So there's a lot of like backstabbing. There's a lot of like, you don't even know if there's any love in this family, to be quite honest. And they, the kids were, once you get to know the parents, you were seeing that these children were raised by wolves. And what did you? Hey, that was a show you, too, but it was yeah. A bad that's one. that's coming. That's coming back. Um, oh no! Yeah, it's coming back. I saw the second season trailer, and I was like, oh, okay. Oh. But um, yeah, I don't want to like. It's it's very Shakespearean. There is a lot of scheming involved, but the, in the third season, you have to remember that the house always wins, and it's outsmarting each other, but it was done in such an interesting way. So many double, triple, quadruple crosses that you did not see the ending coming. And in the last five minutes of the show, this is a show where my jaw dropped when it was revealed. I don't want to like ruin it for anyone who's like, oh, this sounds interesting, but you will not see this ending coming. Interesting. And that it like, it's so smart. And that if you had picked up the tiny, tiny, measly little breadcrumbs with the exchange glances for two seconds here, you might have gotten it. Mm -hmm. But it was so, so well done that the minute it was like I had to go back and just kind of collect myself because I was like, what just happened? And I, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's nominated for it's a bunch of. Is it Golden Globes? Whatever the next thing is. But I mean, it's some is, kind of statue. It's just so well acted. It's so well done, top to bottom. If you love drama, if you love dramas with unlikable people, this is the show for you. Mm, all right, then. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming. All right, cool. Well, you probably could guess what my number one is, maybe. I don't know. I, I had, Do you want to try? I think it's going to be Squid Game. It's not. It's not because I didn't do Squid Game because I figured you would do Squid Game. No, I I thought about Squid Game and I was like, you know what? Sometimes I have that thing in my head where if something is super hyped, I'm kind of turned off from it a little bit. Like, you know, oh, everybody's going to put Squid Game on their end of year. I'm going to do something different. Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, because that's what I figured. I'm like, oh, Jamie will cover Squid Game. So I don't because I tried to pick like a comedy and a drama and mm-hmm. then I ended up picking two comedies just because mm-hmm. I'm like uh but oh wow okay so you're number one well this is yeah. tough I know well it's really not when you hear it you're gonna be like oh. I know because I'm like I'm like trying to rewind mm-hmm. all of our conversations do you want to hint? yes I got you to watch it 
well, that's everything. (laughs) (laughs) They're always like, I got you to watch it, and you watched it in two days. Oh, well, God. Oh, this is so hard. (laughs) All right, go. My my mind is drawing a blank. (laughs) Kingdom. Oh. And I had to put Kingdom as number one. And I might be cheating here a little bit because I honestly don't know when it originally came out. Like it came out on Netflix. Season two did. And I'm like, well, who knows how old this show is in its original iteration. No, it's when when you saw Like, I feel like when it hits Netflix, it's a new life. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't know. This could be a 10 year old show for all I know in in South Korea. But um, it's new to you. It was new to me. And it was just so good. And it was like, I mean, I feel like between, like, with just myself, I've got, like, four separate people to watch this show, and all of them loved it. Like, I know I got you to watch it. I know that um, Hatter, my Twitch buddy, he watched it with his um, partner, and uh, I think think Dan watched it. Um, I mean, like... Just a bunch of people we've got to watch Kingdom, you know, just from saying how awesome it is. And nobody is disappointed by watching Kingdom. Everybody so far has been like, that's awesome. So I I told Chris to to watch it. it. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I did. I don't know if he did. Chris, the funny thing is when you recommend something to Chris, he'll watch it, but it will be like four months later. And he's like, oh, I watched that show you recommended. It's like, which one? And then you're like, oh, I forgot I told you to watch that. I'm 20. (laughs) I'm 20 shows away from that now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just I felt like this one. This was the one that came out of nowhere for me because it was like it, it was Norvell that recommended it to me. And he, you know, he was like, I think you're going to like this one. And I don't even remember how we got on the subject, but he recommended it to me. I cruised through it. And then I think I had to wait for season two to come out, but I didn't have a long wait. Yes. But by the time you watched it, they were both out. Yeah. Both of them were out. Cause I remember you saying that and I'm like, no, it's out. Um, But man, it just, it was just so good and it holds up so well and it's got loads of little twisty surprises in it that you don't see coming. And it's just one of those things that if you like the zombie genre, you can't not watch this because it's just game changing for zombie, zombie, zombie culture, zombieism. (laughs) I think, I think like we're definitely, and I say we, because I speak for the entire United States film industry, uh, are going to be stealing a lot of the elements that existed in Kingdom because it's very, very difficult. This is like my opinion. Zombies have been around forever, so it's difficult to sort of rejuvenate what it is that zombies look like and what they do and how they behave. But this show did it. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of interesting because as a as a country, we could not remake Kingdom because we do not have the culture right. that existed for this show. I mean, it was I don't I don't even remember. But it was like, you know, 10th century South Korea or something. It was right. Very, very old. Right. But I kept thinking about it later. I was like, man, could we do it with like an old West iteration or you know could we try to do it our own way could we take the idea of it and redo it and would that represent a revitalization and I think we could find a way to do it um in in the similar kind of vein of it it would certainly be very different but 
I think the main point is this show is like a flash in the pan. It exists in this country, in this culture, in this time period. And that's it. You can't really move it around that much, but it's so perfect just the way it is. I almost like don't want there to be a third season because I'll be upset if it's not as good but at the same time I really want there to be a third season <laughs> <laughs> there is I just looked at uh an IMDB so technically it was 2019 and 2020 but it doesn't say when it came to Netflix which That's must be yeah yeah so a little bit later so there's always a delay but there is a question mark next to season one two where the three would be it says question mark mm. So, I mean, I, I will be happy if it never comes out because it's just so good the way it is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if they could maintain that level of quality, then it would probably be an amazing season. But, yeah, I know we've talked about it many, many times. But if there's anyone else out there who has not seen Kingdom, do it. It's Watch my it. number one of the year. Like, I don't care what year it came out. It's our podcast. We no, no, because it came out this the second season yeah, the second definitely season came, came out. Came out. Definitely um, came out this year. on Netflix. But, right. But it still but, counts because we don't live in South Korea. We can't watch these television shows. No, we can't. <laughs> you know? I mean, we can. We just have to wait. And that's fine. That's I'm, fine. We're good I'm, at waiting. Yes, I'm good at I'm good at patience on occasion. So so yeah, that was uh that was my number one. So now we're gonna we're gonna kind of divulge a little bit. Um, and you are going to do your top three books of the year, and I'm going to do my top three video games. Yes. So would you like to tell us your third book of the year? My third book of the year, and this is, um, you know, you said that I'm the culture person. Yes. Um, is this a non-cultured book? No, it's it is a it's a very cultured book, and I feel like being like, oh, did you read this? Oh, um, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a story that I have. It, it's a book that I've recommended. Ooh, my microphone almost falls. Um, it's a book that I've recommended to many people. Uh, it's the Empire of Pain: The Secret History of the Sla- Sackler Dynasty by Patrick Raiden Creef. Okay. And it basically follows the three generations of the Sackler family. And it essentially shows you how they came to the United States as immigrants, what they were trying to do, how the second generation and the third generation of Sacklers, who are the ones responsible for the opioid crisis, mm-hmm. how they were allowed to get to where they are today and the the way certain reports were manipulated the I way I can already tell this would make me unreasonably you angry you would be very 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 upset yeah and the way that the author goes through and discusses how they knew exactly what they were doing and they also created the company and I'm, you know, I'm not smart with this sort of stuff, but they will be able to declare bankruptcy and pay a fraction of what, of the, the hurt that they caused and still keep their billions and billions of dollars. It's because bankruptcy favors corporations over individuals. That's the yeah. short answer. Yeah. 
and the way that they structured the corporation. So this they do not care. They do not care. And they marketed all of this. And that's why, you know, when we talk, I mentioned the miniseries Dope Sick, but it will because it it also deals with the Sackler family, Mm -hmm. but it will just frustrate you to no end. But this was something that um, I read. It happened to be available. I said, oh, let me take this out. And as I went through the book, I just got angrier and angrier and angrier reading it because it had just happened. Right, right. And yeah. No, I mean, remorse. we're still dealing with how many thousands of people like continually ODing on fentanyl and whatever else, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just something that, you know, if you're interested and can basically not want to punch a wall. No, I'll definitely punch a wall. I I, I know my limits. I need to avoid this one. Yeah, it was. (laughs) And I kind of picked it it, as the categories go on. This is my nonfiction pick Mm -hmm. for the year. Um, So, yeah. Empire of Pain. So really quickly, before I get into my... um, top my third top game of the year um my husband and I put together a top 10 for the year and it's in no particular order but uh, a lot of 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 websites in various assorted places for video games put together a top 10 and um we thought it would be fun if we put together our own top 10 and this represents games that either I played he played or we both played um, or we kind of watched each other play or that kind of thing. And this is in no particular order. Um, but the seven that I won't mention too much about, but just that we played them and enjoyed them in no order, no particular order, are The Ruined King, Chicory, The Loop Hero, Psychonauts 2, Unpacking, um, Halo Infinite, in- and Inscription. And out of all of those, Alin, I think that if you were ever going to try one, possibly two, but one in particular, it would be unpacking. Oh, okay. And if you ever see this, I I might be lying, but I it would make a very good mobile game. So I would not be surprised if a mobile iteration existed. But it is basically a video game where, this is, I guess, my honorable mention, but it's a video game where you play as a girl and you, all you do is unpack her stuff as she moves. So the very first level, if you will, is her when she's a kiddo and she gets her own room for the first time and she's moving into her own room and you're unpacking her stuffed animals and her art supplies. And it's very nostalgic because you can tell there's like some 80s stuff going on here with her with her uh, posters and, you know, her her cassette tapes and all of these different things that she's got. And then you slowly work through her life. You unpack her college dorm, her first apartment, her first time she moves in with a guy, like you're unpacking for each of these things. And the environmental storytelling in this game is so cool because you get to see not only her life change and mature, but you get to see what she keeps. Like there's like one stuffed animal that's in every room all the way through her life, you know, and um, there are certain things like you're unpacking stuff um, like painkillers and um, like a hot water bottle. And you start to realize that she's got back problems like you. The environmental storytelling is so cool. Um, 
and it's very subtle sometimes. Like at one point she moves in with someone and the person she moves in with has a lot of coffee equipment. Like, Ooh. yeah, like good coffee equipment. And then the next time she unpacks, she's got good coffee equipment. So you like, you're like, oh, somebody became a coffee snob. <laughs> and so it's, it's like you can kind of see her changing and growing as she you know, kind of goes from place to place, but all you're doing is unpacking boxes and you get to choose where the shampoo goes and all of this stuff. And it's very cathartic and it's very easy. There's no challenge here. It's just telling a story by unpacking boxes. It's really well done. So I love unpacking. Yes. I love oh, you. Would, yeah. I think you would really enjoy this. Um, and that's the only game on our list, you know, the top seven here that I think you would really enjoy. Um, so if you ever see Unpacking, I would definitely recommend it. But um, my number three game of the year is called The Room Four. Yes, oh. there are four of these and I have played all four of them. And the fourth one maybe is the best of the bunch. I mean, they just they're consistently, consistently good. The Room is an escape room game. Oh, so, yeah. So you're basically playing a very elaborate escape room puzzle and it's all in first person. So it's very immersive and you're going around and touching the things and picking up the things and looking at the things and combining the things and messing with crap until you can figure it all out. And it's just poking and prodding at the room until you get where you need to be. And it is so clever they tell a little bit of a story um, as you're going along, but it's really just poking and broad net stuff just to get, figure out all <laughs> these puzzles. And I I know that these um, games have mobile iterations. They are phone games. Um, if you can get your hands on any of them, you might enjoy it. I would definitely play them in order. They seem to get harder as they go along. Um, this one, it, they're all done by, I want to mention the publishers, Fireproof Games. They're all done by Fireproof Games. This one is sitting on Steam right now with 7,856 reviews, and it is overwhelmingly positive. Whoa. So you you almost never see that. It's just they have a real consistent, consistent, you know, um, style here. This one focused on a dollhouse, so it was really kind of cool because a lot of the other ones, you are moving around from room to room. This one, the entire game took place in a single room of the house. It's actually an attic, but the whole thing was focused on this huge dollhouse, and you would unlock different parts of the dollhouse, and then it would zoom in so you could see really close inside the dollhouse, and you were messing with the gears and the internal mechanisms and moving the dolls around and unlocking different parts and pieces and the roofs would pop off and you know it was really cool like in terms of perspective where things would get bigger and smaller as you kind of zoomed in to look inside this dollhouse and stuff so it was it was a really really well done game it was not an easy game but it's one of those games where like when you solve the puzzles you feel like a really smart individual <laughs> and you're like, yes, I did that. <laughs> you're like, that is me. That yes. was me. I did the thing. So, um, <laughs> and, and I, I like games like that. I like games that make you feel that way. In fact, two of my games on my list are the same kind of a thing like that. Um, so, so yes, my number three game of the year is, uh, the room four. Um, four. Yes, so Alin, you have a, a second book for us. A second book. So this is my uh, pick 
for fiction. Uh, it's Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And this is Taylor Jenkins Reid. She's kind of created her own universe of fictionalized Hollywood stars. So okay. there's a it, there will be a show. It's coming to, I believe, Hulu. It, that's based on Daisy Jones and the Six. And Daisy Jones is someone who, that her, it's her previous book. And it's, Daisy Jones is a Stevie Nicks-esque character, but not mm-hmm. Stevie Nicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the characters mentioned in Daisy Jones is Mick Riva. And he is a famous guitarist. So in Malibu Rising, you get more of Mick Riva. And what you really get is Mick Riva's four children. And you didn't realize that you needed this this book, but it's so cool. There's so much name dropping in it, um, but it takes place in Malibu in 1983. And there's this big end of the year summer party that's coming. And um, you have the, the Riva brother and sisters. You have... You have Nina. She's a surfer and a supermodel. You have um, brothers Jay and Hud. One's a surfer. He's a surfer. The other's a renowned photographer. And it's just something where these, and there's also, I forgot the youngest. And I feel bad because in the book, it's always everyone's forgetting about the youngest. Her name's Kit. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just like real life. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's, it, and it's a, like I said, it's fictionalized. So, these four kids are kind of like the royalty mm-hmm. of Malibu because their dad was famous. Now, he, so I'm sure they're great, ethical, moral, perfect angels. Right. So yeah, yeah, there's all kinds of you know, ooh, is that right, or should they have really done that? But there's a lot of like name dropping. Like it's the early '80s, so it's like Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell showed up to the party. So it's almost. I know that some people put it as like historical fiction. But I didn't really see it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all leading up to this this big party. And you get to see the, the four different kids, how they interact. I say they're kids, but they're really like in their in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a really well done book. And I kind of like the tongue in cheek where if you've read Taylor Jenkins Reid's other books, you mm-hmm. pick up on these people. Like, you're like, oh, that's right. They were mentioned in that book. But it's, you know, you could read the book without having read. You just wouldn't be in on the joke. Right, right. Um, There's Easter eggs. Right. And it's just something, you know, uh, this was a long-awaited book because her last book was in 2019. It was Daisy Jones and the Six, which was the kind of the one that put her on the map. But if you go back and read her other books, they're all great. you know, it, it's just like sort of the sensibility where she can create this own work, her own world. We know it, we recognize it. And we could, you know, you believe that these people could be who they are just because of how we focus on things in society. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, we could totally see, you know, people looking at these these kids and being like, oh, wow, look how beautiful they are. They're so talented because we tend to worship celebrities. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's a it's a really good book. It was a quick read and it takes place over the course of just one day. The book takes place. I mean, obviously, there are flashbacks that bring it to it, but definite recommend my pick for the fiction book of the year. Nice. OK, cool. 
So my number two game of the year is one that we've talked about on the pod before, so I won't talk about it too much, but um, I wanted to check my hours played on this game. I am, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I am sitting at 56 hours played. Um, it is Cozy Grove, my bear game. Oh, bears. Yeah. And I love this game mostly because it is like Animal Crossing in many ways, but it does not burn out, I would say, like Animal Crossing does. It's got a lot of stuff that keeps you going. And it also has one thing that Animal Crossing does not have. It's got a story. And the story, I'm not going to lie, it's flippin' sad. It's heartbreaking. All of these bears on this island are dead. They're ghosts. And as you start to get to know them, they tell you the story of their lives. And each one has a heartbreaking story of their life. Like, the least heartbreaking one I can think of is the bear who was a hoarder and is a hoarder in death as well and is constantly asking you to bring them tons of different things, just random stuff all over the place all the time because they're afraid that they don't have enough stuff and they need more stuff. And then you realize later that they died when they were elderly and their stash of hoarding materials fell on them and killed them. And that's the kind of stories that these bears tell. They're like heartbreaking stories. But your whole goal is to like help them work through the trauma of their lives and deaths. And then when you get them to the point that they've come to like peace with it, they turn this different color and they become sort of golden. And it says that they they no longer have any sort of like sadness or cares anymore. You know, they've they've moved beyond that, you know, and it's you know, it's really nice you just helping them. But it's also just like super tinged with this this sadness. And it's just I feel like that's something that Animal Crossing is really missing. But I don't know. Some people probably don't want Animal Crossing to have a story. Certainly not one that's very sad. But right. I think for me, Animal Crossing got too samey because it just didn't have some kind of narrative element pulling me through. This one has an incredible narrative element. It's just almost like it's a heartbreaking narrative element. <laughs> um, they And the other thing that I've noticed is they keep adding stuff to the game, which is super cool. Um, you can get this big old house. Uh, you can decorate the various rooms. You can get cats for every single room of your house. Oh. Uh, I know, right? Um, their winter update lets you build snowmen. Their Halloween update had you trick-or-treating with all of the bears on the island. There's costumes. There's You can dress your little person however you want. You can buy wigs for your person and get, like, crazy wigs that you can wear all the time. You can have a garden. You can grow flowers. You can grow fruit trees. Um, you know, there's, there's a, they keep adding stuff like they're, they're very good about, um, sort of updating the game, you know, kind of constantly, uh, you can collect shells, you can go fishing, you can skip stones on top of the water, you can catch bugs with nets, um, tons of stuff that you can do. You can, you can play every single day and do something slightly different and also help these lovely bears. So, um, that is my number two game of the year. It came out April 7th. It's by Spry Fox. I want to say this yes. might be their only game. Let me actually double check that. Is it their only game? I oh no, they did. Might. They did Alpha Bear as well, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think I told you to play Alpha Bear, right? I am. I am playing Alpha Bear. I need to level up my bears. I'm like at a point in the game where I don't have the level of bears. 
to move on to the next level. We have said the word bears a lot and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, Cozy Grove, if you're over Animal Crossing and you want something with a little bit more substance, try it out. I am currently 56 hours in with no signs of stopping. (laughs) (laughs) So it's Jamie approved. Yeah, definitely. Um, All right. So number one book of the year. My number one book of the year. And, it, and it's number one, and not only just number one and number one autobiography, but I broke out of, I didn't break, but I feel like I did. I broke out of quarantine to see this man read his stories. It is A Carnival of Snackery by David Sedaris. Oh, yes. And, you've talked about this before, I believe. Yes, it is. It is my number one book. And it's just a collection of his diary entries from, let me double check. It's like 2003 to 2020. And he had a previous book called Theft by Finding, which was 1977 diaries to 2002. Mm-hmm. So it's just so funny because he, the thing about David Sedaris is he focuses on like the very small things. So it's like, he can create a story out of like being at the post office. Um, well, I mean, who couldn't? Yeah, it's true. Like, <laughs> and just like just small talk or like jokes that he's heard on a given day that are funny. And Oscar and, you know, Oscar is growling at Jerry right now. Um, this is obviously right, not uh, David Sedaris. No, fan. he's not. He's mm-hmm. not. He doesn't he doesn't like the political part of David Let it Sedaris. Be known. Yeah. Oscar wants you to read Wheel of Time. (laughs) I bet you, if I looked, Oscar, enough. I bet if I looked at the library, there's probably like a six-month wait list for Wheel of Time. I'm I'm considering reading it. I'm not going to lie, but I think the first place I'm going to go is the used bookstore near my house and see if they've got any. But Yeah, that would would work. But So this is just something where if you've read his his other books... Reading the diary just gives you a, a richer experience. So, uh, David, do you Sedaris, think you have to be like a fan to get into this? Yes, yes, because okay. it's it's 600 pages of his. Whoa. Yeah, he write like when his other diaries, the theft by finding was also hefty. I mean, I could knock someone over the head with this. Have you? I could. <laughs> I uh, I plead the fifth on that. <laughs> I was gonna say I love that evasion. I could. <laughs> So it's just, it adds like a richness to his like So um, for those that don't know, David Sedaris is a gay man. Um, he's very liberal and his father is an ultra Fox News conservative person. So it's just always him arguing with his dad and his dad actually passed away at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get to see him read about him dealing with his his dad and I mean, there's a lot. I mean, life is sad. There are sad portions in life and you get to see and read about those knowing that his father is going to die because he died after the book came out. But you're seeing him enjoying his father. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's like something like that. Like you see he writes a lot about interactions because he goes home to North Carolina a lot and he's very close with his siblings. So it's just kind of, you know, fun to see. There's always something that 
brings like he's he's like a millionaire he could i i don't know how much exactly he's worth but he's very very down to earth and you get to see oh. him sort all right oscar you get to see him <laughs> sort of deal with uh you know he writes a lot about politics because he's become political but he writes a lot about George W. Bush and how he hates him. And I'm just like, oh, I wish we could have George W. Bush back. Those were the days. Those were the days. You know, so it's just something like that. Like, and one of the stories that he writes about <laughs> Donald Trump is he writes a, a little like story about like, it's if you're on an airplane and they ask you if you want chicken, or would you like, you know, like poop covered in and glass? It's like asking how the chicken's cooked. Like there's no choice. Hmm. So it's just like Donald Trump is the poop with the glass. Yep. With the, and you don't want. Why would you even ask how the chicken's cooked? Yep. So it's just. Yep. Um, He's very, very, I, I just love him so much. Sounds like, like a I said, dry kind of tongue in cheek. Kind oh, of thing. Yeah. so, so, so dry. And the thing that I love about him and going to see him in person is he's naturally witty. Mm-hmm. Um, he took a lot of questions from the audience and his writing is, is very, very, it's, it's funny and it's sharp, but that's how he is. Mm-hmm. So it's just something where, you know, it comes can, naturally. Yeah, it's like a biting sarcasm. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I'll forever appreciate is he took the time to talk to each person that stood in line to get their book signed. That's awesome. The same thing happened yeah. to me when I saw Penn and Teller live is they took the time after their show to sign autographs and take pictures with every single person who attended the show. Yeah, I I was just blown away by that. And I I wish more people did that because I think there's plenty of people out there who don't appreciate how good they have it in terms of their fame and what's that that's brought them. And when you find someone like a Keanu Reeves or like this that that does appreciate their fame and appreciates where they are and appreciates the fans that got them there, it just makes the people who don't stand out in such stark comparison. Right. And that, I mean, that was, that was the best thing about it. I mean, cause there was a long line. He had been standing and reading for two hours. I'm sure he just wanted to leave, but he does it every single time. He's I, and actually in the diaries as he becomes more famous, cause by the, the early two thousands, he's, you know, every, people know who he is. Like, so the earlier book, the theft by finding is when he wasn't well known and he was struggling and trying to get his things published and you know a lot of the stories from carnival of snackery is him interacting with his fans he gets Mm -hmm. a lot uh, he gets a lot of material from talking to fans and he says it delights him oh you know so i mean it's just and just to see him in person i will say i know we talk a lot about the coronavirus, but I did go to a theater where you had to show a vaccination card and my face was covered the entire time. Everyone had to be. Um, and that was after Delta, but before Omicron. So, mm. Yes. Yeah, so we're measuring our life in Greek letters now. It's true. Yes. Yes. So, uh, but you know, it was my 40th birthday and I wanted to do something. So 
Hey, I don't blame you. I didn't get to do anything for my 40th birthday, so. I know, and it's the 41st isn't looking good either. Oh, tell me about it. We'll have to to do it at some point. We are going to, like, wait wait until we are unleashed. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hope so. I hope so soon. All right. Nice. You're number one. Okay, here so, we thought this was going to be a short episode. I know, right? Oh, we we are <laughs> incapable. <laughs> um, all right, number one for me, I'll make this quick because I have talked about this game at length. Do you want to try guessing again? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Um, oh God! What was the name of it? It's. I know you know what this is. Um, and and I don't know if he's still listening, but Nick, if you happen Nick. to be listening. My favorite game of the year was hands down the Forgotten City. It Ooh. wasn't even close. <laughs> and you heard the list, the list of the top 10 games of the year. I know, Alin, you're not a big gamer, but that was a pretty good list. Nick went up against Halo, for goodness sake. And <laughs> I do know Halo. I do yes. know Halo. See, this is this is no joke here, people. And uh, uh, and you came out on top because I got to beat a game by using philosophy and I minored in philosophy and I've never used it in my life until now. (laughs) I was going to say, but look, you know what? All of that time, it Mm -hmm. paid off. It did. Um, So (laughs) uh, again, this is another one of those games where you are solving a mystery and when you are able to solve parts, pieces, and finally the whole of it, man, does it make you feel good. You just feel like, just like a walking, talking Sherlock Holmes. You know, you're just feeling real good about yourself. I mean, there were actual audible cheers while I was playing this game. <laughs> no, um, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what is the uh, the time spent? So this one here um, is not that much because you can actually beat it fairly quickly. Um, So I beat it in 10.4 hours. Oh, wow. So it took me 10.4 hours to beat it. And um, since we did this for the other game, it has 3,547 reviews on Steam, overwhelmingly positive. So, yeah, it's it's and it was nominated for Game of the Year for a couple different places. Um, I've had, you know, I've heard other people talking about this game for their top 10 list and I've seen it on other people's top 10 lists. I think it's a huge success for um, Modern Storyteller, which is the publisher because it's their first game. And, uh, I mean, it's really well-deserved. It was released in July, and uh, it had been around for a while as a mod before that, but it was, like, formally released. Um, And, you know, just really well-received. It's on Game Pass now. So um, I know we've said a lot of this stuff before, and I don't want to, like, get too far into it. But it is, again, if you haven't played this and you like mysteries and you like story and you like that feeling you get from being able to solve puzzles and feeling, you know, really smirt. This is the game. <laughs> it will make you feel the smirts. Um, and it's very excellent. Ooh. All right. So that has rounded out our year in review. Do you have any final thoughts or runners up or honorable mentions that you want to bring up now? No, I mean, I think we we covered a lot of it got some of the movies that uh yeah we covered a lot we, of ground here and we did i'm shocked that we did not have a single overlap i was try you know what i was trying to do it in a way that we would 
it wouldn't just be the two of us going, yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to admit part of me kind of wanted that to happen. I, well, that's why the, I think the only thing we missed was, was squid game. Yes. Um, okay. So we'll give squid game the credit it deserves. Cause it definitely does deserve some credit, even though, um, it didn't kind of end up on the formal list. We both really, really enjoyed it for sure. Yes. And I, you know, I just want to say like, it has a lot riding on it for the second season. So I hope mm. they don't screw it up. So yeah. don't screw it up. You hear it us. <laughs> you don't screw it up, but no, I'm just really, I'm looking forward. There's a lot of stuff happening in 2022 pop culture wise. So it'll mm-hmm. be fun to go over that. And let's just hope that 2022 is better than the two years that preceded it. Yeah, the year of people meeting people in person, hopefully, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, we appreciate when you like, follow, and subscribe. Please find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Search for 3Speech and look for the bears. We have a nice New Year's bear for you this time around. And we will see you again. This is so strange. Episode 22. (gasps) Right? Will be our first episode. And this was the year in review of 2021, and it's episode 21. How did we do that? We are so good. What is what is this sorcery? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we planned that, obviously, people. Absolutely, 100% planned. Yeah. Yeah. So we will see you in 2022 with episode 22 and a brand new opening theme. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next time.